welcome to I Couldn't Not This Is A Podcast. Gonna use my voice, I couldn't not. That's the name of my podcast. We'll talk about weird things, blue things, real things, cool things, things that you like to hear. I'm glad you're here, so stick around. You stick around. Stick around. Hello, and welcome back to I Couldn't Not with me, Litera Kelly, your host. Guys, it has been a minute, and I feel like I owe you an explanation (laughs) for why I took the summer off. I definitely didn't plan that. Um, We last left off in in the series... um, I told the story of the boy with the blues and left off at the part of my life story where I would meet my husband, my now husband. Um, But there's, I've had some difficulty uh, putting that story together just because um, that relationship is still uh, ongoing and unfolding and it's changing and it's been changing rapidly since I started both, um, you know, following my own divine guidance and, um, my spiritual path and just kind of being more aware of it. And also it's rapidly changed and kind of hit a transformative period since I began the podcast. So I'm still not ready to tell that story. I think that it's going to be something that we collaborate on. I'm not 100%, but I'm hoping that it's something we can collab on. So I'm going to get out of um, the chronological order here and skip ahead a little ways. The premise of this podcast is me telling my story, my my journey, my journey of... um, awareness and awakening and ascension through a love template, which just means that I am a person who becomes more aware and evolves um, emotionally, spiritually, physically through relationships and love. Romantic love being, you know, the most potent of those, but relationships of all facet and form um, have been my path to awareness and Um, evolution personally. So that being said, this next chapter uh, is a very important one. I'm going to tell the story today of how I met and experienced my twin flame, the kind of final catalyst to a moment of you have got to wake up and start acting and living a little more consciously. Um, This was the relationship that really opened my eyes to how much of me in a romantic relationship was just some sort of traumatic reenactment or um, attachment system gone off the rails. And uh, if you're familiar with the twin flame dynamic, (laughs) it's a whirlwind. It is a whirlwind. Uh, A lot of times twin flames are romanticized in the spiritual community as being you know, kind of like an ideal thing to capture, an ideal thing to experience. I don't know if I feel the same way about that. I think sometimes, like, yeah, I wouldn't be me today if I hadn't experienced that. But also, there was 
and is um, a certain death involved with that twin flame connection that is really, really painful. And the thing about a twin flame is this is just someone who can mirror back at you all of your bullshit in a way that resonates with you. I don't know if it's a similarity thing. I don't, like, I still don't think I fully understand what it is about this person um, and me together that created this thing where we could just so easily see each other. And and I'm telling the story from my perspective, so that's assuming a lot, uh, where I could see my fucking self, rather, uh, through this person and how he responded to me. So, okay. This is the chapter of the twin. Um, So all my life, I've been obsessed with love. That's the premise of the podcast. And like, I have, you know, learned everything about myself and the world around me through the context of love and relationships. And um, I always loved like a happy love story. Like that was something like I gravitated towards as a kid. I've kind of unpacked that since you know, coming into awareness and and my life changing. Uh, My mom was very much a hopeless romantic and that transferred pretty instantly onto me. So I have a natural affinity for it. Like my natal chart will tell you a lot about why I love love so much. But also I had this mom who had held out for a relationship like the, the majority of my formative years and like talked to me about it a lot. So that just kind of like watered the seed and grew this love monster tree that uh, I became to be. So it was the summer of 2017. I had just come out of, so I started waking up. I mean, I started waking up for like the first time, multiple points along the path, 2007, 2012 was a big year. Um, but 2016, 2017, that time frame was a really pivotal time for me. Um, I had just had, in 2016, my youngest daughter um, with my husband, who he and I, at that point, had been together, God, I don't know, um, seven, seven years, seven, eight years, nine years, somewhere in there. <laughs> Fucking no. We'd been together for a while. We had split up multiple times and gotten back together. We got married shortly after I found out I was pregnant with her, which was also coming off of a split, and I'll get more into that when I share that story. Um, But she is sort of this surprise baby. Um, I was told by doctors three, four years before she came about that I wouldn't be able to have any more children, um, which was fine by me. I didn't, I had three and I was satisfied and uh anywho here comes this baby and um at the time I wasn't really excited about that Uh, (laughs) I was kind of like oh my god I had my first kid when I was 16 um getting pregnant at 26 felt like uh crazy to me but she was born I had a really rough time with postpartum depression uh didn't put my finger on that you know that that was what I was dealing with Uh, Went back to work after like three weeks, just, you know, detached. The depression just kind of kept going. Um, Just a quick moment to shout out postpartum. Uh, I was the person who knew that I was not myself and that I wasn't bonding in the way that I had before with this new baby. Um, But I was terrified of telling the doctors the truth 
because I was so afraid of the judgment and like the shame. Um, and I, and I also, you know, I would get in that room for, for an appointment with the doctor and I would be like, you know, I'm really okay today. Like (laughs) I'm okay. I'm functioning. You know, it's kind of one of those things I think for a lot of women, uh, unless like the floor's falling out and you're really not functioning at all. You think I can keep going. I I can do this. It's not that I, it's not that serious. Just this is like encouragement. If you are aware that you are um, struggling if you feel yourself um, wanting to escape your life and um, feeling guilty, sad, and ashamed about perhaps not being the parent that you feel like you should be, if you're in that rut, you gotta speak up. You gotta speak up. It took me eight months to be honest with my doctor. Um, by the point, you know, by that time, by the time I reached that that moment where I was like, "Hey, I think I'm, I think I'm really depressed." I think something's really wrong. Uh, I had, like, we had all these marital issues, and then um, I was just feeling like I was completely lost and alone and a stranger in my own life, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't mine. Like, it didn't belong to me. Like, I woke up in the morning and just be like, ah, I gotta do all of these things, but I, like, have no (laughs) attachment to this. Um, and one day I remember like not being able to get up off of the couch and just thinking like, I would really rather die than go cook lunch for these kids. And God, what a horrible thing to say. Um, I have to give credit to, you know, like understanding that from that, that moment on that couch, I was a woman with privilege. I had a lovely home, a lovely family, amazing kids who deserve a fully functional mom, Um, And at that moment, I just really, like, the thought of engaging with that was enough to, like, uh, bring about suicidal ideation. And after that day, I decided to go to the doctor. I knew that if I was willing to think like that, that I was probably in a place where I really needed some help. And we started a Prozac regimen. And I have been averse to um, any kind of psychiatric pharmaceutical intervention since I was a kid my mom used to like kind of uh accuse me of having mental health issues as a an adolescent and teenager and there were a couple of times that medicine was the best solution in her mind and she would try to force me to take them and I would take them and not feel like myself so I would refuse to take them so I've just always kind of had this hang up and this trigger about um taking an antidepressant, but I did it anyway, and I gave it an honest shot. Um, I can't say as though it helped, although this is not advice for anybody. This is just me telling my experience. I didn't really see much of an improvement. Um, What I did do at the same time, though, was start kind of forcing myself to get up and go to the gym and forcing myself to write and journal and just take better care of myself. Um, that per, it's quite possible that the two were related. I'm, as I'm telling it now, I'm like, well, yeah, maybe that was the medicine. Um, but I did have some wonky side effects. And so after about eight weeks, I went back to the doctor, reported how I was feeling and was like, hey, I'm not really sure that I need this. And I kind of would rather not take it. So we weaned off and I didn't take it anymore. Um <clears throat> But I did, I did start exploring me 
as a result of that kind of pivotal moment. Um, and as I was doing that, you know, I could feel my marriage just kind of like slipping further and further and further away. And we, I mean, we were not communicating at that time. We were like working different hours. Um, it was just functioning in partnership as it pertained to our children and, you know, meeting the needs of our family, keeping the bills paid, yada, yada. We weren't taking much time for the two of us. We certainly weren't communicating. Um, he didn't, I, I, I can't speak for him, but it didn't seem like he knew how to help me when my mental health was suffering. And when he doesn't know how to help me, a lot of times it just feels really incompassionate and like, I don't have time for this. Um, you deal with it. So it's a very hands-off thing. And I just was honestly very alone in it. Um, lucky for me, I had good friends and a support system outside of my marriage that gave me um, some of that support and strength that I needed. But I really took that time to start getting into myself. And it was right around that time that I found The Secret uh, documentary on Netflix. And I was like, what is this? Um, a little hokey, you know, a little bit staged appearing. But the, the principles really resonated with me. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, like, I can create the life that I want and my intention based off of my desires is what pushes that out into reality. And I started to just grasp the law of attraction from a very basic standpoint. It was like water to um, uh, a person in the desert. Why can't I think of the word for uh, extremely thirsty? I don't know. What is that word? Dehydrated. <laughs> hey guys, it's still me here. Anyway, it was like something I really needed and didn't know that I didn't have. So I like get into this law of attraction thing and I start learning affirmations and like um, as this starts happening, like things start unfolding in my life. I start meeting different people for different reasons and they all seem to kind of have like a theme, like these characters that I'm interacting with like seem to be like guideposts along this path and I start noticing those little synchronicities like I um, just anything I was opening up my life was opening up again so around March of 2017 um, I was you know in a relationship where we were not communicating I had tried he had kind of tried, I guess, to the best of his ability. Like I said, I can't speak for him. But like, it was just like, we were not gonna get it together. And I was okay with that. It's like, all right, so we'll break up. We tried it. You know, we did the quote unquote right thing. We got married and uh, bought a house and, you know, we tried to live this life. And I remember one night we were laying in bed and I was trying to communicate to him how miserable I was and how alone I felt and how I felt like our marriage was baseless and like empty and hollow. And I could feel him holding something back, like he needed to say something. And I was like, you just need to say it. Like, I need you to just say it, right? And he said, I think I bit off more than I can chew. And I'm like... Uh, that said it all to me. 
at the time. That told me everything I needed to know. Um, He was acting like he'd bitten off more than he could chew. He definitely meant the life in a holistic sense, the house, the kids, me. Um, And I finally felt validated in, in all of my feeling like he is off on some fucking island somewhere. He is not even here with us. And I mean, the problems that we had, like, were way, they're, they're, they were way more complex than I'm giving them credit for right now. Like, we had a lot going on between the two of us with our family. The dysfunction was really, really strong. And I really needed to hear that from him. So at that point, I was like, okay, if it's not working, then we need to do something differently. And he agreed, like, okay, so we're, you know, it's probably best that we move in different directions and we can take some time and we can figure that out. But at least we know now that, like, we're not just expecting each other to live in this hollow lifestyle together forever. We have a plan and I need that. That is a part of my personality. I need to know where I'm going. Everything I do has to have meaning. Um, I can't just go through the motions. That's not, it's like a verse to my being. Uh, doesn't work for me. So I started making plans at that time, like finding a house, um, a new car, uh, you know, because we're enmeshed at this point, like everything we have is ours. And I just started breaking away. And then like week after week, like it would go like a couple of weeks where we would just like not talk at all. And we would both, you know, pretty well be set on the intention that we were going to leave each other and we weren't going to be together and whatever, whatever. Um, but then something would happen and he would like start to panic that I was leaving and something would happen. He would like clutch down and, and whatever. Well, by May, okay. So in April, I forgot about this part. Something had happened in April. I started, um, talking to someone who I met online it was a guy, and I had every intention of sleeping with him uh, because that's the other major dysfunctional component in my marriage. Um, we just do not have a great sex life. We have a lot of time where we're not active, and um, my husband is very much like a physical person. He needs a lot of physical affection, touch, and I am quite the opposite of that. I have to like remind myself to hug people that mean something to me, not because I don't care about them, but because I don't care about hugs. (laughs) I spent a lot of time in my life protecting my energy and not allowing people to touch me or rather had trauma to my body that prevented me from being so open with it. Um, spent a lot of time like escaping hugs and I know that's resonant for a lot of people um in a marriage though and in a partnership where one person needs a lot of physical affection and the other person really has a difficult time with that you can imagine what happens we have periods where we don't have sex for months and um it's all intimacy related right so I start talking to this guy and there's like a connection. He's, you know, like speaks my language in a way that my husband didn't. And I end up meeting up with him. We sleep together. I go home. My husband is like, where were you last night? I know you weren't with your friends, like you said. And I'm like, yep, nope, I wasn't. I was with a person. Um, And so I... 
I didn't anticipate telling all of this in this episode, but I guess here we are. So I, I didn't, at the time, I don't think I consciously understood that what I was trying to do was blow up my fucking marriage to just get it over with because I hated being in that suspended state of, I don't exactly know what's going to happen next. Um, <clears throat> but I know that I don't want to do this anymore. I've done that a few times in my life, just blow it up. Uh, but this time <clears throat> I was blowing it up as a cheater and very uh, openly and willingly. So we get through that little phase of him overcoming that or like, you know, I, I got home that day, answered all of his questions. Uh, we ended up having a long conversation about how we thought we should open up our marriage and kind of get into a poly thing because this was the area where we were not connecting and I needed that intimacy in a different way than he did and we both knew that we could find it so we entertained that idea for a little minute and then we didn't do it and then when May rolled around okay so I cut off communication with the with the guy that I slept with I really only meant for that to be what it was um in May you know I'm still thinking like we're gonna we're either gonna do this open relationship thing or we're gonna break up so when the open relationship relationship thing didn't really take off, I'm like, okay, well, then we're going to break up because the only other thing that we're going to do is continue to stay in this thing that doesn't work for us. Um, again, my husband has a difficult time communicating. He'll, I imagine, think all of these things but then won't talk to me about it. So I'll have to come up with my own entire narrative, which is something I love doing, except for I hate doing it. Uh, when it pertains to someone else's free will. Like, I could only answer for what I knew was true for me. And what was true for me was I couldn't stay in that marriage. Um, it wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't getting my needs met. He wasn't getting his needs met. Uh, and then one night we got into a fight. And he said something to me about becoming, you know, just like an empty shell of a person, like steady chasing something that I wouldn't find. And it resonated with me because I was just kind of coming into this thing where I was understanding that I had very much created um, a lot of the pain that I'd encountered in my life. And, but I didn't, I didn't yet have the framework or the language to understand um, exactly what that meant or how to combat it or what to do differently. I knew I needed to do something differently. I knew that I needed to start thinking about what I wanted because that was the thing I hadn't done all this time. It was like, Someone would show up and have any little interest in me and I would chase that down until like I locked them down. And that's how I got into each and every single one of the relationships I had been in that far. It was never like, I'm going to set this intention based on this desire that I have for this specific thing. And then when I see it, I'll, I'll know and I'll, I'll have it. It was just like, I'll take what I can get. So I knew at that moment in that at that specific time, that I needed to start understanding what I actually wanted, what I actually felt like I needed. Because outside of the basic needs of survival, food, water, shelter, most of what we need is just what we really desire. It's what we want. So I spent a lot of time then journaling and like getting to know myself and getting to figure out like what it is I wanted my life to look like in a relationship. So this was still at a time frame in my life where 
the relationship, a, a partnership between me and another person would take precedence over everything else in my life. Like, the, the number one thing that I thought about was what kind of relationship do I want? What kind of other person do I want? What kind of uh, partnership do I want to be in? I hadn't yet discovered that that wasn't quite it. it what I really needed to do was like, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? It was really where I needed to go, but instead I was still in this relationship thing, and I'm like, what kind of relationship do I want? I'm a hopeless romantic, so I know I want love. I know I want romance. Um, what do I want that to look like? What do I want? I, I thought about what I wanted my life to look like in a sense that, you know, I would think like, oh, I want to live here and I want to do this and I want to drive this and I want to have this. But it was all a lot of like material possession stuff. Like I want my life to look like this and I want to have this relationship. I want to have this soulmate partnership, right? Because that's what I felt like I was missing the entire time I was with my husband. I loved him a lot. And I also knew that he loved me too. Um, we were very, we are still very attracted to one another. Um, but as far as like digging deeper on that, the differences in our personality and patterns are so vast that like it's really hard to get there. It takes a lot of intentional work on both of our parts to communicate effectively to those places in each other. I knew I didn't want that anymore. I wanted a better match. So I'm plotting and planning how I'm gonna leave the house and or keep the house um, or how he's gonna leave the house or how we're gonna diverge our lives and no longer work them together in the same way. I had hoped that we could have like a peaceful separation where we both agreed it was the time to do the do something differently and like feed each other, or I'm sorry, feed ourselves um, and kind of move out and do our own thing. Um, but at the last minute, you know, we would, we would have like conversations and fights where we would both be on board with that and then something would happen and he would be like, no, you're not leaving. No, we're not giving up on this. No, we're gonna make our marriage work. And by that point, I've already like laid to rest <laughs> any hope, any, any hope I would harbor in my heart that we would make it work. I've already put that down. And he's like, no, we're going to do this. So it's conflict, right? And then it's like, I feel like you're being possessive. I feel like he was being possessive because he's like, you're my wife and we're going to make this work. But on the other hand, pop culture society tells me like, if you have a partner who's willing to say and do those things, then you should cherish that. So I, I kind of gave him an ultimatum around May, June and said, if you really want to make this work, you know, and again, I'm telling the wrong story right now, but I had to give you some buildup to the twin flame. So you had any kind of fucking premise for understanding how that could occur. Uh... For months and months and months prior to that, years even, I had asked my husband to do marriage counseling, um, to attend marriage counseling with me, and he was always like, no, 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 I don't want anybody in our business like that, I'm not comfortable with that, da 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 da, da. So after almost 10 years, um, and like a million breakups and get back togethers, and now infidelity after marriage, he's like, I think we should go to marriage counseling. And I'm like, okay, if you really believe that, like if you're really that invested in us, find a counselor, make the appointment, and I will go. 
Because in the past, those would have been things that I would have handled. And for me, it was just to put your money where your mouth is thing and also gave me an opportunity not to have to do it because chances were high that he wouldn't. He did. So we show up at this marriage counselor. <clears throat> and it's someone I actually like knew, but she didn't know that I knew her. I, it was a weird uh, synchronicity. Um, also someone who was a lot like me, but again, he didn't know that I knew that. She didn't know that I knew that. I only knew that because I worked with her spouse for a couple of years and kind of got to know her through him and his complaints about their marriage, which were very, very similar to my husband's complaints about ours. Interesting, right? Just funny, just kind of like fun, funny detail. So we're sitting in her office and she says to me, it seems like you don't want to make this work. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. I think I don't. I think I just want to move on. Like, all of the stuff you're talking about. I've been going through this by myself for 10 years. And now he wants to work on it and I'm supposed to? Like, I don't want to. And we left that appointment. And I know he was disappointed. And I know it was hurtful. But I, I spoke my truth, I guess. I said what I wanted to say and what I felt was true. So we're back to this kind of suspended situation where he's hoping it'll blow over and I'm actively pushing my plans forward to leave or to have him leave. I was hopeful that like he would let me stay in the house having the kids the majority of the time. Um, that seemed to make sense, but he didn't want to do that. So I, we kind of fought about that for a while. Um, so we get through June, and it was tough. Um, there's a lot of up and down, like really good moments and really bad moments. Moments where we were really connecting as a family because he was willing to put the energy into that for the first time in a while. Um, but like also very difficult for me because like for years I wanted him to put that energy into it. And now when I'm ready to walk away, like I didn't really want to do it. I, I, I was kind of half there. We kind of traded roles in that way. I was half there and he was all in. And I'm like, I, this is great for us in terms of like our family and the kids and like spending time with us. That's an excellent improvement. And if I'd wanted, you know, if I'd been in a different frame of mind, I might have taken that opportunity and run with it, but I wasn't and I didn't want to. And anyway, um, the month of June progresses and I am really close to leaving. I've got plans. I've got changes coming and he knows it. I know it. And then one Saturday, July 1st, 2017, just so happens to be my grandpa's birthday. He was my favorite person in the whole wide world, um, my bestie, and like childhood, um, like guardian, like best friend, my grandpa. Very, very special to me. I was his Liva and he was my Bampa. He passed in 2013. 2012 or 2013? 2012. It was December. Anyway, so he'd been gone for a while, but it was his birthday. And I don't know about 
um, you guys, but like numbers have always kind of been significant to me. Seven's always been like my favorite number since I was a kid, always even growing up unconsciously around the number seven. So 7117 seemed like a big deal to me. Anyway, I decided that day it was really beautiful outside. I would take um, my two middle kids to the pool. My oldest was with his dad, and the baby stayed home with my mom. And I took my middle two kids uh, to the pool. I brought with me a bag with like books to read and writing utensils, and I was in a heavy planning phase. Um, part of my manifestation method has always been writing, so... <clears throat> I find that the things I plan out in writing tend to manifest that much faster. Um, that's what my intention was for the day, for the kids to have a great day in the sun and in the pool. We'd play, and while they were playing, I would get some planning done and some just some spiritual work done. And I'm sitting there in the corner of the pool deck in a lounger, and the kids are having fun in the pool, and I see this guy walk in uh, with his little girl. Um, and I instantly recognized them from a dream that I'd had a couple nights prior. <laughs> so I text my best friend and I'm like, you are not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. But that dream I had on Thursday night, the guy with the little girl, they literally just walked in here at the pool. And I instantly thought like <clears throat> he had some sort of like, I didn't at the time, think of it in these terms, but looking back on it, his energy was so attractive to me that I equated that with, oh, well, he must have some sort of fame or notoriety. He seems like someone who is important. He has this like confidence about him. He doesn't look like he's from here. Um, he just looked different and important to me. I did not say anything. I just sat there and continued about, you know, on about my morning. I very much assumed that a woman would soon be walking toward them, like the missing component of their family, just adorable people. Um, and I kind of pictured that like a wife would come out of the locker room, like didn't notice that. Um, so I sat there and just kept going, kept going. Uh, played in the pool with the kids. I remember we got out. When they, you know, they clear the pool sometimes to check it or whatever. We got out, went and sat over at the snack bar, and I ate with the kids. And um, he and his daughter sat near us, and I kind of caught them, like, looking at us a couple of times. And anyway, went back out. As I'm sitting there, I look up, and I see this little girl pick up the end of the lounge chair, you know, these big plastic beach loungers. She picks it up, and she starts, like, dragging it in my direction, and he he's talking to her like what are you what are you doing and he starts helping and he follows her which I of course I mean it was like adorable right this little girl pulling a chair and her dad's kind of like reluctantly following her but letting her do her thing and they come and plop the chair down right next to me and I'm flustered uh and like a little like shy and awkward because that's who I am and he says, hey, is, is it okay if we sit here? Apparently it's important that my five-year-old get a tan. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, I'm all nervous. And um, then he started talking to me. And I was like, what is happening? And at some point, I was just like, I, this is so weird. I, I don't know. Um, 
so we're talking and he asked about my life and I I was in a place at that time where I was just like brutally honest about everything and I was like yeah I'm married but uh I uh, we're like separated living in the same house like we're getting ready to move on and whatever like I knew that there was a chance he was hitting on me but I didn't care um was still gonna just be honest probably a part of me that really wanted to get to know him better I don't know it was really weird how it all happened so he ultimately asked for my number and um I gave it to him and then you know it's time for us to go I get the kids loaded up we get to the car literally as soon as I get in the front seat of the car I get a text message from him saying hey it's the man of your dreams from the pool and like that little synchronicity like that's just a pickup line first and foremost like that's just like a line but for me it was a synchronicity it was he has no idea that i literally had a dream about him before i just met him and then he used that specific verbiage of all things to say that's what he picked and i remember feeling like I don't know, like my heart was like on fire, like my chest was on fire, like I felt so giddy and excited and just seen, you know, I felt seen. And um, he had asked, you know, like if I didn't have anything going on, if I could get out, did I want to join him at a barbecue at his friend's house? And I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) I really do. So, time out. Yes, I'm still married. Yes, my husband and I are on very uneven ground. He knows that I want to leave. He's apprehensive about that. Um, I was still married. So like, this might be hard for some people to listen to. Like, it's hard for me to say it. It takes a great deal of vulnerability to be like, guess what? Here's the thing. I cheated on my husband, not once, but twice. Um, not up to me, like my, my inclination in this moment is to be like, but y'all don't know how much I put up with and, and how much he did to me. And I really want to like, just give you a list and a litany of the ways that he had perpetrated my trust, uh, in the years that led up to this, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm just going to sit in this feeling of discomfort and get back to the story. So I decided to go meet him. I go to the barbecue. Um, I like. I remember pulling up and being like, "This is stupid. I need to go home." Like, I don't even know these people. Like, I don't know him. I don't know anything about what I'm doing right now. I should go home. And then I saw him walking toward my car, and it was like, like just telling the story. Even like brings me back to the moment. It was like, oh, like I just there was this attraction that I cannot explain other than he was really significant and I needed to like see why. So we hang out. I am awkward as I always was at that time, just completely um, uncomfortable in my own skin. So much so that like I dropped my purse and like just, you know, like awkward me things. Uh, For those of you out there who know me, you know what I'm talking about. Um. We're talking and we're getting to know each other. And at one point, well, I also want to say, like, he had 
these connections with his friends that were just like adorable and they were doing cute things and they were enjoying their day and like these were paradigms and dynamics that I was not used to like barbecues 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 that I used to go you know with my husband to um would basically just be like we walk in the door he would leave me with women that I didn't know or children (laughs) and he would go find his family friends whatever and like wouldn't interact with me um, I got used to that. Uh, it'll be important for you to understand why I was okay with that kind of treatment. Um, but I, the night that I went to this barbecue with this new person, and he actually like would stop what he was doing to talk to me. <laughs> uh, something pretty fucking basic, right? But a big deal to me. Um, so we're sitting, at, like, it's getting later. We're sitting in lawn chairs at a part of the yard kind of just the two of us and we're talking about what we do and what we like and he says so what do you like to do I saw you were writing when I uh walked up on you at the pool I'm like yeah I'm a writer and that was such a bold thing to say at that moment because yes I am a writer and I have been writing my entire life but I'm not a published writer I'm just someone who likes to write But in that moment, I was like, no, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going to show. Like, yeah, I'm a writer. And he starts laughing. And he hollers at one of his friends and brings him over. And he says, hey, ask her what, you know, what she does. Ask her what she does. And he goes, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a writer. And, And the friend just starts cheesing from ear to ear. And, uh, the dream guy from the pool is like cheesing from ear to ear. And I still have that picture in my head of like just the way like the corners of his smile like almost made it to his ears and like how big his cheeks were when he was smiling like that. Um, And again, I felt seen. And he proceeds to tell me that he writes for um, a sports uh, (laughs) publication. So he's a sports writer and he is a fucking published writer. And I'm like, oh, that's, well, you're a real writer. I'm, <laughs> I'm a fun writer. No, I'm not published. And, um, but I do do it, and I do like it. And uh, I remember just being like, oh, my God. Like, he's a, he's a real writer. And I'm saying I'm a writer, and I'm not. But um, how cool that we like the same thing. And, like, as we're talking, you know, things just keep coming up that are, like, the same. Like, we both like a lot of the same things and just random things, like Pop-Tart flavors and stuff like that. So the night goes on, and I did not want to not be with him. Um, Full-on activated. Had to see where that would go. And here's the other thing. That attraction... Like that, he looks famous, he looks important, that vibe about him in a physical attraction sense was like a siren. Like I just wanted to be up under him. Like for a person who doesn't uh, like intimacy, physical intimacy so much or physical affection so much, um, to feel that kind of gate open up was like, uh, it was just life-changing, like, it was life-changing, like, I just wanted him to put his hands on me, (laughs) and now, looking back at that, I know that 
that stemmed from the feeling of inherently being seen and admired or liked or adored for who I really was, not who someone thought I was, or at least as close to that as I'd ever been. So I went home with him and um, we did the sex a lot And I remember, like, waking up the next morning in a panic, like, oh, my fucking God, what have I done? (laughs) Um, And jetted home or whatever and, you know, uh, made it home before my kids had woken up. God, this is fucking embarrassing. Yep, I made it home before my kids woke up, guys. That's what I did. That's what I did. That's the truth. Um, Made it home before the kids woke up. And then, as I often did, had coffee on my back porch, and I remember um, a profound feeling of, I found someone important, and this is going to be special. And I didn't know that, like, I could feel that kind of attraction with someone, or I could feel that kind of, like, validation in that attraction, Um, So, like, I sat there and knew that what I was walking into was going to be a big deal for me. And as the day went on, like, we were talking. There wasn't a day after that until it was over that we didn't talk all day long, put it that way. Um, It was constant and um, engaging. And, uh, you know, I was later that day, like got away just for a few minutes to go like I felt like a 12 year old (laughs) like sneaking away from my house to see this boy that I liked but that's what happened I did that well he didn't live in the same city as me um he was just visiting for the weekend staying at a friend's house um so he was heading back to the city that he lived in which was like uh 40 30 40 minutes away from me and um so I ran out to see him we just literally walked around the park and then watched a movie at his friend's house until he left. And um, this is making me look like a bad mom, and I'm feeling really vulnerable about that. But here we are. Here it is. Um, not something I had done before, guys. Uh, so that relationship moved really quickly, and it did not take any time at all for me to um, find a house, uh, I ended up telling my husband what had happened. He knew. He could tell. Um, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I met somebody, and I'm leaving. Uh, if, you know, if you're not, I am. So when he put his foot down and said, I'm staying in the house, you can't have it, I was like, okay. Um, he was also like, I want the car back because I bought that car for you, and I was like, okay. And he took my cell phone <laughs> because we had a shared plan, And that same day, I had a new cell phone and a new car, and within a couple of days, had a new house. Um, My friend called me a mover and a shaker, and she was not wrong. I just need to be motivated, apparently. And what could motivate me more than the dream guy by the pool? So we're moving and shaking, and I'm like, hey, guess what? Like, I found a house. I'm moving out, and like, you know, this is cool. And he was um, cheering me on, and... Uh, we just were connecting and I remember like the texting, like we text, like I said, all day long, um, finished each other's sentences. Um, 
intuitively, like he was the first, <laughs> this is so sad. Jesus Christ, this is sad. He's the first person that I'd ever dated um, or like talked to or had romantic interest in who like actually asked interesting questions and got to know me. Um, so like we're hashing out like our entire life stories, like life stories over these uh, early days of our relationship in the first three weeks. And at any opportunity, you know, we're planning ways to get together and um, get time together. So like it would be like we wouldn't see each other for two, three days. Um, and the buildup, the buildup for that for me was like, it drove me insane. And I wasn't very aware at the time of how much of myself I was putting in this thing and how much of a pattern that was because I was so infatuated by the fact that this relationship was going to be different and that this man was different. Um, I was not aware of the fact that I had just completely hopped into the same pattern that I always had, which was just like infatuation and uh, deep dive and like nothing else in my life mattered as much as this. And like, I was in my phone 24 seven. Um, I tried to be present with the kids. I remember being aware of needing to be more present with my kids. Um, so I would do my best, but I was like also really excited, uh, because we talked openly about my kids. He met me on a day where I had my children with me. So, and he had his, and, uh, since that had already happened, <laughs> it made sense to like do more things like that. So we would go to other pools um, and like get the kids together and they would play and then we'd go out to eat together. And um, I thought that that was like happy ending 101. Like this is what happens when you're meant to be with someone. Um, they accept your family, they accept all of it and you blend it. Granted, it was happening way too fucking fast. Up until this point, despite any of the times that I'd broken up with my husband, uh, neither one of us had ever introduced anyone new to our children. I jumped in with two feet, which is something that I morbidly regret um, and would not do again. Um, luckily, luckily, this person was not some sort of predator. Um, had he been, I could have put my children in extreme danger uh, and... I am embarrassed and uh, full of regret for putting them at risk like that. Grateful that they're protected, grateful that that wasn't what it was, but it could have been. So anybody out there listening, like this is not me saying, hey, it's great to like just like jump in and move a dude in or let a dude be around your kids. Don't fucking do that shit. Please don't do that shit. You have no idea who someone really is. And the story should help. Not that it wasn't like that, but... Um, Anyway, so like all of a sudden, all of these needs that I had that had gone unmet, you know, quality family, family time, um, you know, quality conversation and emotional intimacy, uh, communication, nonstop communication, um, being seen, you know, I felt like he saw the best of me. Like I felt like he inherently saw me as my best self. There that would morph into a lot of fear around him seeing my not best self. Because at that time in my life, I was still two, you know, very um, polar opposite people in one. There was this shadow side of me that I tried really hard to suppress. And there was this light side of me that was trying really hard to evolve. And in the early stages of my awakening journey, as I was like unfolding the secret and the law of attraction 
um, I was hyper-focused on making myself perfect. I had this sense that I could um, turn myself into the ideal version of me um, simply by just growing all of those good qualities in myself. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad way to look at it. It worked for me at the time. Um, got me taking better care of myself. I quit smoking. I um, uh, started doing things that creatively I had not allowed myself to do for a very long time. And he encouraged that. He encouraged that. So I'm writing poetry at the time and sharing it with him. And like when I met him, the lid came off of um, my kind of like creative flow. It was like instant access into this thing that I had not been in for fucking 10 years or more. Um, so all of a sudden I'm writing again. And one day he texts me and, and he was like, hey, um, some people I know are doing like a stand-up, a poetry, like stand-up poetry, slam poetry thing uh, tonight. And I asked if you could have a spot. And they said that there's room for you. Do you want to do it? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? No, I've no, I've never done that before. But like the little voice inside of me was like, he sees you. He thinks you're capable of this. Then you should do it. He's probably right. And this is the twin flame thing. Okay. Like, this is what people are talking about. You meet someone who can mirror at you the things that you have struggled to believe in in yourself. I saw him as his best. He saw me as my best. We both really wanted those versions of each other. I don't think either one of us knew uh, how to address the, the rest of us. <laughs> and that played out. So, but like, this love, this connection, this spark, this thing that I had with him had like, woke me up to parts of myself that like had been long since abandoned by me and I started like coming alive so at one point you know like it was pretty early in it wasn't even August yet he had brought up the fact that like his lease was ending and um it was a very passive question and I think because both of us agree that like, hey, three weeks is probably not enough time to decide that you want to live with someone, but we did it anyway. Um, I said, do you want to live with me? And he was like, I mean, is it a bad idea? And he framed it in a way that like, I don't know. I was like, no, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like, I think it's okay. And so together we were like in this space of, who gives a fuck what anybody else thinks? We know what this is. And I can't speak for him. But for me, it was like, um, being alive again for the first time in a really long time, maybe ever. I don't think I'd ever felt that much like in love with my life and where it was going. And, um, so I was like, yeah, fuck what a hater says. Like, let's do it. And at that time, I was imagining us getting married. And we were, we were like talking about it. And like we were talking about a forever life and how meant to be this was. Um, like I said, the synchronicities were fucking deep. Uh, just like, I mean, like everything. I can't, I don't remember all of them anymore. Um, but I 
know that they were leading me into this thing that was going to change me. Now I know that that's what it was. Then I thought it was confirmation that I'd met my soulmate and that I was going to have my happy my happy ever after, after all. And um, I was really invested in that energetically and physically and everything in between. We had chemistry, um, sexual chemistry like I had never experienced before. It was like as often as possible, um, I found myself like thinking about fucking him when I was like working, like I couldn't stay focused. It was like all I could think about was this thing we could do together that was so amazing. Um, and I needed that for a really long time and wasn't getting it uh, because we couldn't connect, right? So, like, I finally had this connection that was, like, emotionally intimate, it felt like to me, um, and, like, super fluid, um, like a raw kind of attraction thing. And for me, it was totally new and totally different, and I just wanted to, like, be... Um, in it all the time. So we had a very magnetic sexual chemistry and we're doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And like considering doing like things that I hadn't ever considered before, like, you know, like I also hear that this is like common in twin flame things. Like there's so much chemistry and like so much passion. You're like, like, how can we take this to the next level? Or like, we could have so much fun here. And I told myself it was because I felt safe. I told myself at the time it was because like, I totally felt safe with him, uh, to express myself in whatever way I needed to, um, and like explore my sexuality and like in a, in a safe environment. That's what it felt like. And So, like, we talked about, like, threesomes. We talked about, like, all just trying all kinds of different things. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. I got distracted. But, yeah, so we had, like, this raw sexual attraction. um, And we were, like, constantly... I was, like, constantly wanting to fuck him. And we talked about it a lot, too, which was also very cool. And, like, we just kept that conversation going. I don't know. The chemistry was really strong. Again, I think it's, like, being seen, whatever. Um, Knowing that someone sees you and wants you that much in that way, that's what did it for me. It's, like, take a pause and just, like, take this chunk of shit that I just gave you, the story that I just gave you, and let's talk about how activated I was in my attachment system at this point. So three weeks a month in, even, um, full-on activated, anxious, preoccupied attachment system. I, we had set this precedent that we were going to talk 24-7, that there was like a constant exchange going on between us. Um, and when it wasn't going on in the physical, it was for sure going on energetically. And there would be times where we would pop up at the same time to say something to each other, like in a text message. Or there would be times where um, I would text him and he would be like, I was just thinking about you. Or I, he would text me and I'd be like, I was just thinking about you. And that was legitimately happening because that was that like higher dimensional connection thing at play that neither one of us was identifying in that way at the time. Um, but when you set that kind of a precedent for someone who has this anxious, preoccupied attachment system that I had at the time but wasn't aware of, <laughs> it's like feeding a monster. 
So as time started going by, and like we started to settle into like a regular life where we were co-parenting kids, um, keeping kids in the same house, uh, having to kind of like coordinate with the parents on the outside of that, uh, my husband and his ex, um, that brought in some room for like insecurity. And I remember the first time that I looked up who his ex was and I was like, oh my God. Like she was gorgeous and she appeared to be successful and intelligent and all the things that I believe to be true about myself, um, except for that I know myself and I know the shadow side of myself. So I'm like, oh, she's better than me. Super duper. Why the fuck would he want to be with me after her? And like, he had told me the story of how they had broken up and how it had broken his heart. And I was very aware that he really loved her and that um, he, he might still be in love with her. So when I voiced those concerns, like when I brought those to life because I felt safe to do so in this relationship, he quelled my fear with like, no, 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 that's, long over and um, I've made peace with it and whatever and like was very assuring that there were no lingering feelings there even like laughed about it you know and I wanted to believe what he was saying to me (laughs) but there was definitely always still something in the back of my head that was like yeah I don't know about that Um, and there was like one specific thing that triggered that and that was uh, he could not say her name and did not say her name Like, at first I was like, oh, it's just like he doesn't say her name. It's weird, but I didn't quite get it. Um, But I think he couldn't say her name. It was always, um, like, he would use, you know, his daughter's name's mom. He would be like, it's her mom, her mom, her mom. Um, Never her name. And I fluidly used my ex's name. Like, I, oh, God, this is a whole other thing, like, I totally wasn't even thinking about I, like, here I am doing it with strangers, so imagine me needing to tell my story to um, try and, like, achieve some understanding. I definitely told way too much of my story uh, with my husband to him, and, like, he seemed like he was game for it, and, like, outwardly was like, yeah, I'm here for it, like, we can talk about it, but then I think I was pretty incessant with it, and... Uh, unaware of how that was affecting him. And um, I talked a lot about my marriage. I was still fucking processing it because, of course, I didn't take the time to do that. Again, I just hopped into something. Uh, So that was happening in real time and bothering him a lot more than he was telling me. I would find out later. So he definitely had some insecurity about the fact that I was still married, hadn't yet filed for divorce, although that was the plan, um, like that's a money thing. I didn't quite have the cash to retain an attorney and just like file for divorce. And I was hoping too, that we could like do it mutually or whatever. Anyway, um, there was some insecurity on his side too. I think about like me still loving my husband. Um, <sighs> but the thing that like kept us hooked in was just like this attraction thing, like this raw attraction thing. And I, we started doing things, um, like going on, we went on this one weekend trip where we had, we had to go to one city for a game and like a get together with his friends. And then we had to go to another city, we had to go to Chicago after that. 
uh, to go to a wedding. It was Labor Day weekend. And um, this was the first time that, like, my shadow emerged in a very uncontrolled way in a really awkward and bad timing. Um, And this is an embarrassing story that I'm about to tell. Um, So we go to this wedding, and it's a close friend of his. We're late. (laughs) Like, we literally walked into the ceremony late. That was the thing about this guy. Like, he was pretty chronically late. (laughs) And I hate being late, although was chronically late to work. He doesn't give a fuck about that. But So we're late to the wedding, and it's like we walk in or whatever, and wedding goes on, and... um, I got drunk, and drinking for me is no bueno. Um, I am an alcoholic in the way that I do not know my limit. And once I start drinking, that alcoholism kind of clicks in, and I just keep going until I am passed out. So I should have known that, um, and I should have been more cognizant of that that night, especially being at a wedding, because I was already aware of the feelings that I was having. Um, so at some point as I get wasted, uh, and stop acting like a funny fool, I start acting like a not funny fool. And I ran to the bathroom and I called my husband and I don't really remember all of this. I just kind of have snippets in my head. I can still see the bathroom stall and I can still remember how it felt to say to him, like the last wedding I was at was mine. Like, this is hard. Uh, It's harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm crying and whatever. I open the bathroom stall to walk out of the bathroom. And my boyfriend is standing there having just heard everything I said. And so it was like panic. And I know I acted an ass after that. We left. We went back to the hotel. I'm quite sure that I was a fucking train wreck. Thank God I don't remember what it looked like, but I can only imagine it wasn't great. So here's the other side of, like, my trouble with alcohol is um, after a night of drinking, I will wake up with a hangover like everybody, but the serotonin dip um, causes, like, an intense depression, Um, and the hangover is less about the body effects and more about the mental effects. And I just feel so guilty and so bad. And especially coming off of an incident like that, where I show my ass to this person who I adore, um, and want to adore me. Um, and also to all of his really awesome friends, (laughs) like, uh, great. So I woke up at five 30 in the morning we were staying in a hotel um, downtown Chicago, and so like I left the room and walked down to the beach, uh, the lakefront, and like sat there and just like felt sorry for myself and considered how perhaps I wasn't meant to be with anyone because I was so broken that I would ruin everything, and. Um, really grappled with like whether or not I wanted to stay alive anymore. Uh, and then, of course, as always, I just went back and tried to talk about it with them. You know, absolve myself of those incredible feelings of guilt and shame. 
from my behavior the night before. And I started explaining, you know, like uh, what happens and why I, what I was trying to explain was my anxious, preoccupied fucking attachment system. But I didn't know of such a thing at that time. I only knew that I was needy. I only knew that I like really needed to be loved. And I attributed that to being abandoned by my dad. Okay. Whoop. As soon as I said that, he was like, that's a crutch. You can't use that as, you know, fodder to behave poorly. And he was kind of insensitive about it, but I also felt like I deserved that. And so we left and went home. And on the drive home, you know, I'm still like sulking in my own guilt and embarrassment. Like I felt like I blew it. I really felt like I blew it. And like he was going to break up with me and, um, whatever and on the way home we're talking and he said something about like you know in five years when we get married and I was like what he was like well I mean it's gonna happen and I was like what really like you think so like how could you still want me after seeing that (laughs) fucking display of um negative um balance of confidence and self-esteem also just like really messy shit so after the weekend in Chicago and the colossal showing of my ass that occurred there I was pretty instantly activated in my worthless anxious preoccupied attachment system and the tone of our entire relationship started to change Um, despite the fact that my boyfriend was being really gracious and really forgiving uh did he call me on my bullshit uh and offer some advice that maybe I should start unpacking those experiences that I was running programming out of. Yeah, he did. Uh, But I didn't get the message. (laughs) Instead, I just reverted straight back to what I'd always known, which is keeping score, mostly against myself. I knew that he'd seen me at my worst now and that his opinion of me might be forever changed, that my mask had come off abruptly and really kind of grossly, and that the likelihood that I'd be too broken for him had suddenly really spiked. It was right after that moment in Chicago that a door opened up inside me. I built a little room where I would hold this little alternate version of our relationship pretty much completely without his participation. I would write a narrative in secret, reading between the lines that I was experiencing and or imagining and come up with my own reasons and write in a new villain and kind of always frame myself as unlovable. (sighs) Despite all of the assurances he offered, as I incessantly stated my need for them, I still dug my heels in even deeper into harmful patterns. There were glimpses where I'd get it, where I'd be receptive to his attempts to wake me up to this behavior and how it wasn't serving me and it wasn't serving us. But most of the time I was just living like a slave uh, to the patterns and ways I'd always understood the world and relationships. And this is really important because we had from July 1st to Labor Day where we were on even footing in my perception where we were equals, where he was on a pedestal and so was I. 
But because of that incident at the wedding and the way that I'd shown my ass, I now perceive the relationship as me down here on the floor and him still up here on this pedestal. So things, you know, they kept going. It was fall and um, football season arrived, which meant we'd have a lot less time together. He was a um, high school football coach on top of writing for pro football and on top of his day job, also a dad. (laughs) Uh, So we kind of knew, like, you know, he had been prepping me for, like, I'm going to be really busy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm game for it. I'm here to support you. And I was really forcing myself into, like, being comfortable with that um, because I just wanted to be what he needed me to be. And like the 24-7 constant access that he provided me through like ongoing text conversations was honestly like a major help. And I could see how that was like his way of like meeting me in the middle. Um, For me, it was a distraction like from things I should have been focusing on, like A, my healing, um, B, my divorce, my kids, you know, you name it, my job, all of the things that suffered because I was throwing so much fucking energy into this dynamic and this relationship and just making sure that I made myself appear and be outwardly what I thought he deserved and what I thought he needed. Um, I was totally and happily hooked on like conversing all day long. Um, and it, it did kind of like help us stay connected despite like the added distance. There were some, like, really good nights. Like, we called them patio nights. You know, we'd have hoodies on and cider beers and friends would come over. We'd play games. Like, that stuff was really fun. There was a lot of laughter. And that's that's another thing about him that I put on a pedestal right away. He had this, like, really robust circle of friends, and he managed to maintain pretty close relationships with most of them most of the time. He was actually, like, a really thoughtful friend. Um, He knew his friends really well. He accepted them unconditionally. Um, The same was really true for his family. And these were like all traits and qualities that I admired. Uh, He didn't seem to sum people up by their periodic behavior, which, you know, was new to me. He was good at accepting and loving people as they were. How was it possible that like I could see that in him, but I couldn't translate that to myself? Like I couldn't integrate that into like who I was, how I approach things, or even give credit to the fact that he could approach things like that. Like, I guess I did, just probably not very consistently. I really like admired that about him because that's something that I think I did really well for people kind of outside of like my little family sphere, like outside of my kids, my parents, my spouse. I could really love people unconditionally, but part of like my framework and just my like unhealed wounds was very much a scorekeeper. And I really just wanted to be more like him in that way. Um, I wanted to believe that he could see me and accept me, you know, for the good and the bad. Um, And most of the time, like I did believe that, but I was always still like hunting for proof that, like, he found me unlovable and gross. (sighs) We had, like, really good time with family. Um, His parents were super supportive, Um, really cool people. 
I actually remember one time, like, I don't remember if he was leaving a job or, yeah, I think he had quit a job and didn't exactly have a replacement lined up. And I was like, oh God, what do you think your parents are going to say? And he was like, my parents support me. They trust me. And like, what a simple response, right? But so outside of like the realm of what I was used to and what I knew, it was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? You mean they're not going to judge you? You mean they're not going to instantly activate into some worry that you're going to like fail at life? They're not going to like be mad at you? Um, It's just like so foreign to me and I, I wanted it so bad. But like I said, like that, that little voice in the little room that I built to carry out this little relationship that was like only me and me uh, summing everything up in like a commentary, it was loud. And it was like, no, you, he doesn't love you. Like, um, it was like, it's only a matter of time before he sees you as like gross and unlovable and all the things that you believe yourself to be. So the effects of those inner conversations started creeping into like the microcosm of our life together. I began pretty regularly looking for signs that he was detaching and like these incessant vital checks on our relationship. Like, hey, are you mad at me? Hey, did this bother you? And like, (laughs) guess what? (laughs) Despite understanding the basic law of attraction and knowing that it was possible that I would create the distance and detachment between us, I kept looking for it and kept finding it. I was absolutely creating it. The like unabating inquiries I kept making, the constantly checking the vital signs, it was like the very thing that was pushing him away or like into a position of like not being able to love me. Like how, if someone's, yeah. So I might've been uh, his vampire and that's been something that's been like a difficult journey to a difficult process to unpack like I thought (laughs) I thought that I was happy um what was happening was that I wasn't able to identify it because I was like so in it uh I decided that like the display of my unhealed wounds in Chicago sealed my fate and made me unlovable and that it was only you know a matter of time before he'd tell me and I just kept looking for that. Like, do y'all hear me? I created the distance and abandonment I was so afraid of encountering instead of just surrendering to having found this thing I really, really wanted. And like shifting the awareness from the fear that I would lose him to the work of maintaining a healthy relationship. I like legit didn't know how to do that. So... I heard things that he didn't mean. I read into things that he did. And like the filter of this entire relationship flipped because I felt not good enough chronically all the time. And that, that wasn't just with regard to this relationship. Like he was the one thing at the time that like I felt good about <laughs> in pretty much every other aspect of my life. I was still feeling like a fucking, um, colossal failure. So time goes by. And like I said, like we continue to like have these cool family things. Like it was, 
it was just so not my experience for my partner to be like so kid oriented and like he was always looking for something for us to do with the kids he was always trying to make time special with them when we could spend it with them um his parents were very much the same and encouraged that and like I remember they came for Thanksgiving and it was just like super lovely like I loved them by the way it was plainly evident that those traits I mentioned before, like his ability to unconditionally love and support people came from them. And, uh, they really fostered that energy in their family. Um, and I just like wanted to be able to do that too. (laughs) So like we did things with the kids, um, birthday parties, sleepovers, pumpkin patches, you name it. He was really good about like setting time aside for those things. And, you know, even if it wasn't like super organized or scheduled or whatever, like we always found the time to do it. And, and he was just very naturally inclusive, which was again, something that I liked and admired. He just like really embodied all of these things I really wanted to be at that time. And I kept him really high up on that pedestal as a result. Like He would always be superior to me because he could handle the demands of life and still meet other people's needs. And I hadn't quite figured out how to do that. And I was so hyper-focused on just meeting his needs um, the right way. But like, I didn't even, I didn't even have energy for anything other than that, really. It was weird too because like there were there were little signs like when I look back I can like see my guides like fucking with me like hey Kelly you're missing it hey Kelly you're in the wrong direction like crazy things like the like the first thing was like his car got stolen and um that was a fucking nightmare like that took months to figure out and get him into a new car get the insurance claim taken care of and then like I got in a car accident on Halloween like my tire would blow out it was just like one thing after the other, and um, he would kind of say something like, oh, well, it's just my luck, and I'd be like, how, though? Why would that be your luck? And uh, I didn't think, like, hey, what, it, what do I need to pay attention to? Uh, my husband, though, he, on the sidelines, in passing as we would transfer kids back and forth, kept pointing out that bad things were happening to us because I deserved it <laughs> for the way that I left him. Uh, and he might not have been wrong about that either. There was probably a little bit of like, you reap what you sow in there. Um, it was a really painful process for him, the way I just checked out pretty quickly. So we're coming up on like November. In November, um, he brought up his cousin getting married in Scottsdale. And, um, he was like only like finding out at the last minute because he hadn't really been like officially invited. And I guess the reason for that was like his cousin was super close friends with, um, his ex and, um, he like, I guess talked to her and he was like, dude, we were friends for a long time. Like we were really close. Like I want to be at your wedding. And of course he got an invite and then he was like, Hey, do you want to go to this wedding in Arizona? And explained to me how he knew her and like the connection between his ex and she and I was like fuck no like immediate panic no way am I gonna go be in a room with her um my self-esteem cannot take that hit like I just had I was already like feeling fucking awful about myself on a pretty regular basis 
I didn't think that I could handle um, having to do that. So I was like, no, you go. It's fine. I'll stay here with the kids. You have a great weekend. It'll be fine. And he like seemed legitimately disappointed with that. And I'm, you know, I was pretty positive I wasn't going to do it. And uh, he left that day to go to the gym or something. And while he was gone, I was thinking about it. And it was like one of the times that I let spirit in and kind of listened to a higher internal guidance system that was like, hey, this is ridiculous. If you really want to be with him, like, do you really think you're going to be able to go the rest of forever without ever having to confront this fear you have about not being as good as his ex or being in the same room? Like, you can't let this stop you forever. You're going to have to get over it. So I was like, yeah, okay. And I booked the tickets while he was gone and I sent him a screenshot and we went to the wedding. And Arizona was like, I, I didn't even like, I never had a desire to go to the desert. Like I'm a tree person. So I always was like, meh, miss me with that landscape. No thanks. Not for me. Um, but when we got there, I was just like so shocked at how gorgeous it was and like warm. <laughs> like think about this for a second. I was so unhealed at that time that like I would have turned down a vacation in winter time. Like it's snowy and two degrees here. And I'm not going to go out to Arizona to be in the sunshine because I'm afraid of a three, four hour event where I have to be in the room with someone I don't even know. Like what? So anyway, we get there and we stay with his friends and they're absolutely lovely and welcoming. And like, they were excited to have us. And like, I was excited to be with them. And like, we really hit it off and had a good time. Um, my anxiety throughout the whole thing was like wavy. So I kind of fucked it up on the first night when we were supposed to hit the rehearsal dinner. Um, I accidentally copied the wrong address into Uber. Uh, It was for the ceremony location, not the rehearsal dinner. And like we got all the way out there and realized it wasn't the right place. And it was already pretty late. Um, And like he he was like low-key mad. And I felt like shit uh, because they ruined it. And so like... You know, anytime I'm activated in those feelings of insecurity of not being good enough, like I go full throttle, emotional fucking, um, like shut down. So I think I was like crying in the backseat of the car. I don't know that he noticed that, but like there was tension and I felt bad. And, um, looking back on it now, it, it was kind of like pretty clear that I was like kind of holding him emotionally hostage like you know it's a cycle it's like I suck and then I fuck up because I'm so like thinking so hard about how much I suck and then he gets upset and then I think I suck even more and then he's stuck dealing with someone who feels sad when we came there to have fun and like this is all this thing that I created and made it more difficult So, I know we enjoyed the trip in pieces. Like, there were times we had a lot of fun. Like, we hung out with his friends, and um, I don't remember, like, overdoing it, uh, like, drinking or anything. Stayed away from that. I know we did have, like, one kind of tense discussion about my divorce, and, um, oh, I remember. It was on the way back from the wedding, and we actually had a really good time at the wedding. Uh... Like, 
I faced that fear and it really wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Um, for the first time, I think in my life, I was able to like sit in the moment holding space for both of like me and this person who I have pedestalized to be in the same space and be like, okay. And for me, that was like a major milestone. Like it was a big deal. It was like an overcoming and it had absolutely nothing to do with her. She could have been anyone. It was just the fact that I had assumed and envisioned that this person was better than me in almost every way because that's what I was famous for. That's what I did. Um, but I still walked in the room and was pretty unapologetically myself. Uh, and that felt really good. I, you know, like that was, that was a big moment for me. But I do remember in the car um, on the way back, instead of letting that moment be great... I asked a fucking stupid question, like, when was the last... Oh, God, I forgot about this. I asked a question I already knew the answer to. It's like, I have this unconscious pattern, and honestly, like, it still exists. I still fight it sometimes, of, like, needing to hear someone tell me, like, needing to read their energy when they tell me something I already know. So... It's like a confirmation. I don't, I can't fucking explain it. But what had happened was sometime before that, I'd opened up his laptop to use it for whatever reason um, and seen like chats um, between the two of them that were more recent than I expected them to be based on what he had told me. And they were explicit and they were talking about sleeping together. Um, And so I guess I thought having (laughs) overcome... fucking idiot. I guess I thought having overcome that fear that I was brave enough to like face the truth of that. And I was like, Hey, like, when's the last time you guys like hooked up? And he gave me an answer that didn't coincide with what I had seen. And we thought about it. I now am uncovering this memory that I had forgotten. Um, and then it turned into like a fight about her and my divorce and, um, just, you know, these insecurities coming up and like, Again, kind of ruining something that could have just been really cool. It didn't really matter, right? Because all I was really looking to find was, do you still love her? I was just looking to confirm something that I already know. And knowing now what I do, of course he did. And why shouldn't he? And how would that have in any way affected our relationship? I mean, it might have, but like my attachment to that wouldn't have made a difference, one way or another, just like his attachment to any feelings that I had for my husband didn't make a difference, didn't stop anything, didn't change anything, just gunked up the airwaves and made it impossible for us to connect and have our own thing. So that happened. And, um, but overall, like (laughs) the trip wasn't terrible, not to me. Uh, and I remember like, as soon as we touched down, we had gone shopping And he got a text from her at the time that was like, hey, are we all ready to move here or what? And I was like, tell her yes. Like, we are definitely down to move here. And so that was a real thing. We we put some time into that plan and um, had planned that we would all go, his parents included, her, their daughter, my mom, my kids. Um, And at the time, my husband was toying with the idea of moving to Las Vegas. So, like, I talked to him and we kind of thought, well, that might work. You know, we could still do, like, a shared custody thing. It's only six hours away. Um, that's doable. So we, we like came home with that plan and, um, you know, got through the holidays. Um, January rolled around 
I guess I should just quickly stop on Christmas. So Christmas happened and my kids went with their dad on Christmas day for a bit. And, um, then his daughter left and went back with her mom. And so it was just the two of us on Christmas day. And like the thing he wanted to do was go to the casino. And I hate casinos. I have always hated casinos. I don't like them. It's not fun for me. I never win at casinos. <laughs> um, I don't like all the noise. I don't like all the lights. I for damn sure do not like all the cigarette smoke. Like It's just not my thing. But of course, people pleaser, wanting to keep a healthy, happy relationship. I'm like, well, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I didn't even get in because I didn't have my ID with me, which I'd forgotten. Oh yeah, because a couple months prior, my wallet had been stolen. Yeah, we did have a lot of shit happen. <laughs> that was not great during the time we were together. Anyway. Um, it wasn't great. And here again, I was doing something I didn't want to do so that I could be what somebody, what I thought somebody wanted me to be when in reality, he probably just wanted to go by himself, but I wasn't going to allow that. It wasn't very fun. Is all I, that's all I'm getting at. Um, so then January rolls around. We're talking about how we're going to make this move. We're thinking August, um, when like before school starts, um, give it a little time. Oh, and that was the thing. His ex was changing jobs. So she was really down to go in August and, uh, like her position was being eliminated or something. So she had the foresight to, to plan that. And as I'm replaying the story, like we, they were consciously co-parenting, or at least that's how I viewed it. There was definitely still something there. I think for both of them, none of my business really, um, but it definitely played into like all of the insecurity that I had just about me, about my personhood. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we make these plans to move financially. We were kind of barely getting by anyway. And I was like, well, it wouldn't hurt for me to pick up a second job. He was like, yeah, that's a good idea. He's already working three, mind you, coaching, writing, working. And, um, I'm like, I'll grab a second he was down to stay with the kids while I did that. So that's what I did. I started working at the mall at Dillard's <laughs> part-time shout out to my Dillard's group. Um, and like we had less time, right. And less time to connect. And it was like, things were really kind of, we were experiencing distance. Um, but I think we were both kind of trying to pretend it wasn't happening, or at least I was trying to pretend it wasn't happening. Um, all the while still kind of going through the motions of like this, are we still okay thing? And yeah, we're okay. And throughout the entire time, like our sex life never suffered at all. Like that was the thing we could do that <laughs> anytime. And we did. And so like when I would try to take stock of like where our relationship was at, I would try to look at it semi-objectively despite certain inabilities there. And it felt like it was going to be okay. Like it felt like we were headed in the right direction. Um, and then his birthday rolls around. Uh, he, like without putting his business out there, does, isn't a big birthday person. Just doesn't, like there was some trauma around his birthday and not something he's like super excited about. On my birthday, he like waited to the very end of the day to say something like that's kind of his thing. This is vibe around birthdays, but I still like wanted to do something for him. So I reached out to a couple of his friends and like got a little get together going and like we were all going to meet at this brewery 
And that's what happened. And by this point, like our communication is probably not great. I mean, it's still happening, but it's all pretty like contentious at that point. Like we're whatever, like we're going through these things where I'm like, hey, are we okay? And he's like, yeah, we're okay. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like we're okay. <laughs> and he's like, but I told you we're okay. And, and just that space, right? So we go to this uh, brewery for his birthday. And as we walk in, I notice there's some chicks sitting at a table and they all are like staring at us. And I had seen them before at the same place with him and had the same experience not too long prior to that. So like my spidey senses are up and I'm like, who the fuck, like, who are these girls? Who is this chick? Like, I don't understand what this is about. And, um, oh, I left completely out the part that my husband started dating someone who knew his ex, um, and like they had talked about me. And so like, I was a little suspicious that it was like someone in that arena, um, that knew my husband and him or whatever. I just felt judged. And like, being someone who's, you know, now fully opened up and attuned to like my access to other people's energy, I'm probably, I'm like pretty sure that they, there was something there. Um, and I wasn't like imagining it, but it wasn't significant enough to derail my night. And that's what I let it do. Because a few minutes later, he and his buddy ended up going over to talk to these girls and they were giving hugs and they were saying hello. And I thought, it's really fucked up that he didn't walk me over there with him and introduce me. Like, why act like, I don't know. I took that very personally and then just started drinking. And we know what happens when I start drinking, uh, when I'm triggered about not being good enough. I got wasted. The majority of the night was pretty fun, from what I remember. Um, as we were walking out of the last bar that we went to, though, who walks past us? None other than my husband and his brother. First time that's happened. And I looked at him, and he looked fucking great. Because that's the thing, like, me and my husband have always had this, like, really raw attraction to each other. He is a good-looking guy. <laughs> and I like to look at him. Um, and in my drunken state, I probably looked too long. I don't, I don't really know. I know that I kicked his brother because that's kind of like the relationship we've had. Not mature or cool, but what I did. And I noticed my boyfriend noticed. And I noticed the way his face changed when he noticed. And he noticed my face change. And we got to the car and I knew that I had to keep my shit together. But I knew that I was like feeling a lot of feelings. And I'm like, hey... I think you should take me home. And honest to God in that moment, like that was my way of like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to stop what I'm feeling right now, but I do know that I don't have to let it ruin your night. So you can continue to hang out with your friends and I will go home and I will handle myself and you finish your night out. Obviously he didn't take it that way. Like later on we would talk about it and he was like, you ruined my birthday. I'm like, yeah, I know I ruined everything. Um, so I went home and cried myself to sleep and I think I was just like tapping into like, oh my God, like, what did I do? Like I traded one thing for another thing and it's still the same thing. And how is that possible? Because they're so different. Oh, well, ta-da! The thing is you, Kelly, the thing is you, it's you. 
Granted, neither one of these people are perfect. Granted, neither one of these relationships is perfect. There are things that need to be worked on here, but you're never going to get to that point if you can't stop operating from this position of like negative self-worth. Like when I say negative self-worth, what I mean is like in the red. Like you don't even believe you have a right to be here. How could you possibly participate in this in a way that would be healthy when that's your core belief I didn't get it still not didn't get it not yet not yet and over the course of the next couple of weeks like you know it things kind of stayed the same and just weren't great um I think we were like playing along both of us I'm not sure why Like, I knew from my perspective, I didn't want to lose him. Um, I was terrified of losing him. Why he played along, I don't know. Um, But one night, one Saturday night, I got home from work. I suggested we, like, sneak away for a little date night since we um, could. And he turned me down. I don't remember what it was he had to do, but there was something. And I was really butthurt about that. And... um, like a fucking loser. What a champ I was. I went to the gas station and got a fucking Four Locos. I hadn't even had a Four Locos in like 10 years at that point, but it was like the only thing I knew how to buy in a 40. So I chugged that Four Locos out in the car, went back in the house, and um, we fought. And I went, we ended up banging it out like we always did. Went to bed the next morning. We barely interacted, like, all day. Like, I kept myself busy with the house and the kids, and he was writing like he always did on Sundays, but we just weren't communicating, you know? And so by, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I was, like, super flustered because it felt like the silent treatment, and that was not something that I was, like, used to from him or something that I could really cope with from him. I felt so scared and insecure and... um. I was standing next to the fridge and he came in to get something and I was like, hey, he's like, hey, and I'm like, what's going on? And I remember him just kind of looking at me like, what? And I'm like, what's, what's happening here? Like, you're not engaged, like not doing anything with the kids. Like, I don't understand. Like, do we need to take a break? And like his face just fell and he was like, what? You want to take a break? You want to break up? And I was like, I don't know. Like, is that, is that what we need to do? And he responded so quickly with, okay, I'll be out tonight. He walked outside, made a phone call. I had to leave to take my son somewhere. And that was like a two-hour drive. On the way back, I'm just like a train wreck and I'm crying. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't lose this. Like super activated in my abandonment wound. Like, no, 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 you can't. You can't leave me. I, I need you. I need this. This is my happily ever after. And like, it's, it's, I'm not going to have it. Like, no, 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 no. And I text him and I was like, Hey, I like, we got to pump the brakes. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, can't we just fix this? And he was not responsive to that at all. He turned very cold, very quickly. And I was like super disoriented. That response that I had, that maybe we should take a break was a weapon that I'd used before. And in the past, my partners had fought me like, no, what are you talking about? Like I had partners who like would not allow me to go 
would not allow me to do that. And that was what I, that was the response I was looking to invoke in him. I'm sure of it. I don't remember consciously thinking that, but I am sure looking back at it, that that was the program I was running. I'll act like I'm going to leave. He'll beg me not to, and we'll work this out and we'll, we'll uncover whatever it is we need to get into. Um, that backfired and he left and he left cold and didn't say a lot. Um, other than you need to focus on your kids. And that night, as I'm texting him, like, I really don't want to do this. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. He was like, figure out what it is you want and go get it, which felt super unfair at the time. I was like, what do you mean? I wanted you. I wanted us. And like in hindsight, as I've told this story and as the stories come out of me, it's very clear that yes, I wanted us, but I didn't believe that us included me. Like it had to include some alternate version of me who was perfect and ready and on the same level as him and could do the same things as he um, and didn't ever, not once, really hone in on like what he, what he needed to work on or what he could have learned from me. Like I... It was all just like, he was up here and I was down here. So while I said I wanted us, how the fuck could I mean that? If I'm not even like playing the game where we are us. It's just him and me trying to prove that I deserve to be there. To myself, mostly. Mostly. So that day, um, I died. I cried and cried and cried and cried. I've never cried so much In a breakup, I have never felt those physical feelings of loss in that way. I couldn't eat for a week. Um, I dropped like 15 pounds, I shit you not, in two weeks. I couldn't sleep. I had this rock in my chest. Like, I would be sitting at my desk at work and just start bawling. I mean, it was like, all of a sudden again... This identity that I'd created had no place in reality. Um, And that makes a lot of sense when the identity that you're creating is only meant to please one person, is only this identity itself was created for this person, and that person is gone. So the identity doesn't have a place in reality. And then I'm left to figure out who the fuck am I again, right? So this time, it was devastating. I was shattered. I mean, I couldn't, I, like I said, I couldn't get through a shift at work, either of my jobs without losing my mind. God bless all of my coworker friends who had to listen to me talk about him for fucking months and, uh, unpack that shit. I, it was so sick. I was like, I would stand at that counter at Dillard's and look out into the mall and like envision him coming in the door, like, I had never experienced that kind of, like, fucking wonky detachment, like, it, I, it just couldn't be real to me, so, in order to do anything about that, I mean, like, I, like, in order to, like, even function, I had to be really, really, really mindful for the first time in my life. Like, not for the first time in my life, but like in this specific way for the first time in my life. 
I couldn't even, like, think. So I started, okay, so this was the first time, let's put it this way, this was the first time in my life that I knew I was going to have to find a new way to deal with this. I knew that I wasn't interested in going to find somebody else, which was my my old pattern, right? My old pattern was, oh, I'll just find a new person. I had no interest in that. My only interest was like getting him to come back (laughs) because I already found my person and fucked it up. (laughs) So without that to cling to, and I even tried, I called a guy, like I looked up a guy on Facebook that I had fucked with a couple of years prior when my husband and I were separated and was like, I'll just use that route like a fucking drug. And I called him, I picked him up, he came over, we hung out, and nothing happened. I took him back home. Yeah, I took him back home. He didn't have a car. I don't know if he even still has a car. That's beside the point. Like, nothing I had done before was working. And it was like, all I could do was sit in this failure, this epic fucking onion of a failure failure where it was not only this current relationship that had failed but it was the one that I fucking ditched like hot shit uh to get into this one and he was doing great by the way my husband doing great making a lot of money looked great taking great care of himself had moved into a new place yeah like he let our house go back and that was a whole nother shit show but um he was doing really well he was investing in himself (laughs) And I was like down, down on my fucking ass. So it was the first time that I ever had to sit in my loneliness and start unraveling and unpacking how I got there. I started making the dream guy the bad guy. I wrote my way through that. Like I literally wrote poetry. I, I started writing in my notepad and my phone every single day. Um, because at first I was sending him messages and like not getting the response back that I'd hoped for. And it felt like getting cut again, every time that that happened, it all of a sudden he had this power over my entire mood. Um, if he didn't respond or didn't respond in a way that I, um, that didn't hurt, it was like, like if he did respond in a way that hurt, it was like, he had the power to fucking destroy that entire day and set me right back to the moment where he initially walked out the door. So like I stopped sending things to him and I started sending things to my notes, uh, something I hadn't done before. So like writing notes, 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 notes. I mean, I guess I had done it before because like throughout the relationship, I was kind of inching my way into that, um, writing poems and that sort of thing. Um, but I had to do only that. There wasn't a person who could soothe me. There wasn't a food that could soothe me. There wasn't a drug that could soothe me. Nothing could soothe me. I was inconsolable. And that rock in my chest sat there for a few weeks. It really did. Um, The thing that I tried that started working was mindfulness meditations at nighttime. So I threw myself into mindfulness full fucking throttle. I was meditating in the morning. I was meditating at night. I was meditating on my lunch break in a tanning bed. I was... um, meditating at my desk. I was writing affirmations. I was writing in my journal because that first week, like I have, I have the screenshot receipts. I had to write lists like, Hey, in the morning, you're going to get up. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to look in the mirror. 
you're going to laugh, you're going to find things to smile about. Like I had to coach myself through every step of that breakup just to feel okay enough to function. And I have four children. Like they needed me. They needed me the whole time. But I was completely not seeing that when I was wrapped up in this relationship. And now that I'm left by myself, I can see all of these holes in my life. That all of this completeness that I had romanticized about this relationship, like the way that this was my happy ever after, um, the lie of that became ultra real the second he left. Like, I didn't have anything, no nothing um, to fall back on. If I'd had a healthy family or healthy relationships with my kids or whatever, I would have had that. I could have just kept going, but it was glaringly evident in that moment like how much of my life was just him how unhealthy that really was so bit by bit I started healing and I started affirming my way into a better mindset and you know originally when we broke up I was like well there goes Arizona I guess I'm stuck in Iowa forever and after a little while I was like you know what no I'm not like, I can still go to Arizona. I'll go by myself. There's no reason I can't go. And then I started building plans to bring myself and the kids out there and my mom and um, kind of funneled a lot of the, the breakup energy into those plans. And at the same time, I was building myself up in the process because I was like, you know, in planning, I'm manifesting. I'm vision boarding. I'm looking at what I could be and I'm learning all these new things about how to manifest and how to, you know, I went immediately back to that original law of attraction thing that I had learned right before I met him and just kept expanding on that in ways that uh, would evolve me. And this was like light shadow work. This was like, um, in the shit, in the suck of my shadow. Um, so I had to boost myself out with, you know, a, a, an intense amount of positivity, um, talking myself into believing that I had any value again. Um, but this time, it really wasn't a person who drained my, like a person outside of me who had drained that value from me. Like he didn't overtly ever do anything. I mean, maybe a couple of times, but like it wasn't a, an abusive relationship. He... He wasn't some monster. He was a guy just trying to have a healthy relationship with me. Like, was he perfect? Fuck no. But he was not what I was used to, which was like overtly being mistreated, whether consistently or from time to time. And so now I had to figure out how to like get over hurting myself through him. Um, and it started me on this path to complete awakening. And that was two and a half years ago. Um, so the whole process started three years ago, three and a half, two and a half years ago when we broke up, um, I dove headfirst into my own spiritual expansion and in those beginning stages, it was like a lot of Abraham Hicks and a lot of like guided meditations and journaling and affirmations and just like um, 
channeling creative energy into planning and manifesting. And I did. Spoiler alert, I did move to Arizona. Um, I didn't exactly follow my plan, (laughs) because I never do. But I did move to Arizona, and I continued healing. And, like, there's a lot more to share with you guys about that. But, like, this chapter of the journey was really, really, really crucial in bringing me here to this podcast, even. Um, This was my awakening template, the Twin Flame Ascension template, as Jessa Reed on the Soberish podcast calls it. When she said that, no words have ever been more resonant. Um, I created this relationship with this person to trigger me into a tower moment. For those of you who don't know what I mean by that, in the tarot, the tower card is the death card. Um, It signifies, obviously, the end of something significant. Uh, But on the flip side of that death, there is always a transformation. And my tower moment in 2018, losing this relationship, was the seed moment of this blossoming that has occurred since then that's led me here to this process to unwrapping and unpacking and unraveling all of the facets of how I've gotten to these points in my life and this is an ongoing journey make no mistake this is not an island to be swim to swam to you can't swim to the island guys there's no fucking finish line that's what I'm trying to say there's no finish line it's an ongoing process. Just writing this episode, just getting through this story, I'm confronted again with the patterns that I'm finding myself slipping into right now. Right now. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, it's been a long time since I've been here. <laughs> I haven't released anything since June. Um, we did live in Phoenix and abruptly in June decided to move back to be closer to my oldest son. Uh, because with COVID and everything like that, like we haven't been able to get him out there. Um, travel's tough. His dad's a little resistant. Um, he asked us to come home and I knew that I needed to do that. Uh, and I also knew that there was a lot of work to do here. So I saw that opportunity and took it. The transition though has been rough. It's been rough. It was a quick decision and you know what that means. Not a lot of time to prepare Um, you know, we were working on a really tight budget making this move and then some shit went down on the way in and it's just been a lot, um, enough to trigger me to go back to sleep, which I have only done intermittently. I've only, uh, dropped my awareness in moments situationally. I'm still here. I'm still awake. I still know that I am a... Uh, algorithm, a walking set of algorithms and patterns that I've created throughout the experiences in my life. Um, And telling this story here, the twin flame story, the dream guy at the pool story, uh, is something that I've been looking forward to doing. As a matter of fact, like over the the course of, you know, the year that would follow our breakup, I fantasized about a lot of ways to tell the story because it inherently felt important to me. Um, It felt like a big deal. For a while, my coping tool was to like envision this, you know, coming back together. I kind of like would think, okay, well, I have this work I need to do on myself and we'll, you know, we'll make it work somehow, some way. And, um, him being a writer, me being a writer, uh, 
was a big theme there. It was one of the first things that was like really cool to me about the union. Um, from a more expanded context and perspective, as writers of our own life story, the movie that is each of our lives, <laughs> here's that fun duality that isn't ironic. I didn't even tell that joke. Whoops. That's not going to make sense to you guys. I used to always say like, oh, isn't it ironic? And he would be like, that's not ironic. That's coincidence. And he really tried hard to teach me the difference. Um, anyway, the irony of the duality of this situation is we are the writers. We really are. And we did get to sit in the writer's room together for a little while. And I think we both wrote in what we needed to learn um, because I understand now that like, you know, again, spoiler alert, I'm currently with my husband. There was a reconnection some time after the twin flame and I went separate ways. And um, he moved to Arizona as well, the twin. And um, I understand that he and his ex are together now too. So like, it seemed like we needed to jump in that writer's room together. And I can't. I have no knowing of, like, other than that they're back together, that's all I know. Um, no other reason to believe, but it's just my assumption that we had to do that um, to learn what we needed to learn, to maybe completely opposite <laughs> experiences or set of lessons uh, in order to keep expanding and keep growing, which were the things we wanted to do together um, at the time. It was never meant to work out. Like, that's not what we wrote it for. We wrote it to wake each other up to what we needed to. And I believe that. And I believe that that sums up a twin flame experience. Uh, be careful when you're romanticizing them because boy, will they show you some things. Um, but yeah, I think this is a good place to stop. I just want to let everybody know that um, part of the reason I'm creating this podcast is to back up some of the experience that I have that has empowered me to offer readings and ongoing coaching and some, you know, it's empowered me to create these different healing modalities that I am sharing now with the world. Um, I have transitioned from a full-time job in the corporate world to this passion project being my full-time thing. Um, and exciting news, uh, for those of you who listen who are local, I will now have a permanent home um, and studio space in Morrison. Uh, so for those of you who aren't local even, if you're ever in the area and you want to book a reading, um, just hit up my Facebook page or my Instagram and you can book it there. Um, I think that there are a lot of us in the world who are kind of doing the same thing, running karmic loops in relationships and running into the same things. And it's tough to realize that what you're running into isn't a type necessarily, although that can go along with it. You might not be running into a type of person um, so much as you're running into your own unlearned lessons and unhealed programming. And if I learned anything from my life... <laughs> It is that we, we do have the power to reprogram and we do possess the ability to rewrite our story at any time. You just start now. And I want to position myself and I am positioning myself in a way to help others do that too. So thanks for listening. 
It feels really good to be back. I will be back soon with a saga of a story, which will be the going on 12-year on and off again relationship that my husband and I have shared all of our time in the writer's room. I'm hoping to bring him into the episode. I have asked him if he would join me. Uh, He's a little apprehensive, so if you want to put some vibes on that, I'd sure appreciate it. Um, I think it would be valuable for him to share too. But uh, we'll see what happens. And until then, thanks for supporting this podcast. And, uh, you know, stay safe out there. All right, guys.